All right, well, last week we, we, we started John chapter 15. We covered the first three verses. We noted some important points, so let's do a quick review. Okay, we looked at the deity of Jesus Christ, that he is exactly who he claimed to be, God in the flesh. Therefore, since he is God, he is absolutely sufficient to meet all of our spiritual needs. He is the true vine, and any other vine we attach ourselves to for strength, for hope, for encouragement, is a false vine. And finally, we found that in this analogy, we're the branches. And we were created what a branch was created to do, and that is to bear fruit for the Father who is the vine dresser. Now, beginning in verse 4, we see a very practical application of what Jesus is saying here in John chapter 15. So let's read this together this morning. John chapter 15, 4 through 11. Um, I'll read it out loud and you can follow. Starting at verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. As Jesus says these words, he's in the upper room. He's either in the upper room for the last time to give his disciples instructions or they've left the upper room and they're walking towards the garden. And we know this because the last verse in the previous chapter, Jesus says, let us get up and go from here. So either they're getting ready to leave or they've gotten up and they're walking through the streets of Jerusalem on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. We aren't for sure. But the overarching point is this, is that this is a very highly dramatic time. The Lord to this point has been everything to them. He called them to leave their nets leave their tax booths, come and follow him. And for the last three years of their lives, he has been their teacher, their example, their provider, their mentor, their rock. They have been, on, they have been along for a life-changing ride for sure. And I can just sense the drama of the situation. Jesus had just said earlier, where I am going, you cannot come. And I'm sure this traumatized them. They've been with him so long. Peter says, Lord, where are you going? Jesus said, where I'm going, you, can now, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. So Jesus was speaking of his return to the Father, but they would remain here. They would be separated as Jesus goes to heaven, but they would remain on earth. Jesus has been in the spotlight, but now they will step into the spotlight. And they will be the teachers and the guides and the shepherds and the leaders. And I feel like the weight of that responsibility was starting to be felt by them. The question is, how will they carry on in his absence? How will they succeed without him? 
How will their ministries flourish and their lives be impactful? Well, there's one primary key I see in these verses for them to be effective in their Christian lives, in their ministries, and without this key, they're going to be like Israel, just wandering in the wilderness, going in circles. And the key is what we're going to look at this morning in verse 4. It's the key for their spiritual life, and it's the key for our spiritual life. Because physically, we too are separated from Christ. But there's this connection. There's this connection between heaven and earth. And there's this connection between Christ and his disciples. So please note in verse 4 that as followers of Christ, abiding in him is our primary responsibility. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Our primary responsibility, number one responsibility is to abide in Christ. We must never presume that spiritual growth and fruitfulness is automatic. We can't just put in, put in automatic pilot mode and kick back. We can't have this attitude of whatever will be, will be, and we behave like there's no primary responsibility just laid at our feet. As if we have no sense of personal duty in our spiritual life. No, Jesus says, Abide in me. So put a box around that in your Bible. That's our primary responsibility. And the only people who can abide in Christ are those in Christ. We looked at that last week. That we're the branches attached to the vine. We are in Christ. That's our spiritual position. We're in Christ. My earthly position, right now I'm standing here behind this pulpit. My spiritual position is I am in Christ. We are saved by his grace and placed there when we believe in the finished work of the cross and accept him into our lives as our Lord and as our Savior. Everyone in the world is one of two things. They're either in Christ or out of Christ. There's no other categories. So once we are in him, we're told to abide in him. And this word abide is a very key word, and it's used nine times in John 15 alone. Abide and fruit are emphasized and they're connected. The more we abide, the more fruit there will be in our lives. So the key to effective, fruitful, spiritual living under this analogy is the word abide. We can't afford to miss this. If we're not abiding, if we are abiding, we will be fruitful. If we're not abiding, we will not bear fruit. So what does this word abide mean? It's a word we don't use much anymore. It means to continue in, to remain in, to dwell with, or to live with. It means to stay in a place and stay still. So throughout the scriptures, John is the primary user of this word abide. A quick look at John's writings, and here's what you'll find. We are told to abide in Christ, abide in the word, abide in love, abide in truth, abide in the anointing, abide in light, and abide in his teachings. I mean, that really opens up the lens of our spiritual life. The entirety of our spiritual life is represented by abiding. Abiding in the light, abiding in the anointing, doctrine, and the love of Christ. 
So, this is a command we're seeing here. This is not a suggestion by our Lord. We are commanded by the Lord this morning to abide in Him. And also, it's a decisive action on our part. Right? It's our responsibility. I mean, my wife can't abide for me. The elders of the church can't abide for me. Rick can't abide for me. It's my personal responsibility to abide in Christ. So this is very important. There are three words linked to abide I'd like to present this morning to better grasp what this word means. Because if we can internalize this, then we've got it. We can't implement this in our Christian lives if we don't understand it. So here they are. The first word is remain. Abide means to remain in Christ. Abide in me. Remain in me. Remain in close fellowship with me. Remain in an intimate communion with me. Keep your mind and set your heart on Christ. Set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. Colossians 3.2 But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Matthew 6.33 Our Lord must be our singular focus when we abide in him. In other words, we're not drifting around in our hearts and in our minds. We're not like a a spiritual tumbleweed, but rather we're anchored in our Lord. We just simply can't afford to give in to the worldly distractions around us that would result in us coming to church on Sunday morning and then just being distracted all week long by everything out there distracting us. Let's see how this word is used by John in another passage. And that might help clarify this a little bit. The first time John uses the Greek word that we translate abide in this, in this chapter is in 1 John 35, 39. Let's read that together. So we read, Again the next day John was standing with two of his disciples. And he, this is John the Baptist, looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And this is a a huge pivot point in in redemptive history, right? As Jesus steps into the public ministry, and John the Baptist, his forerunner, is now pointing his disciples away from himself to follow Jesus. He says, you know, here's the Lamb of God. You follow him. And we read, And Jesus turned and saw them and said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you, here's the word that was translated abide, staying. The same word used for abiding. Where are you staying? Where are you dwelling? Where are you living? And he said to them, come and you will see. So they came and they saw where he was, here's the word again, staying. And they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. So what does this word abide mean? One aspect of it is staying or remaining. When the disciples left John the Baptist and stayed with Jesus that day, I'm sure there was fellowship going on. There were conversations taking place as they were getting to know the Lamb of God, this Jesus. They weren't in separate rooms like in some of our households, most likely, you know, iPhones and iPads separate. They were in fellowship Together, Sometimes we define just being close and close proximity with someone as abiding. Even living in the same house where you're staying with others, you can feel disconnected 
The Greek word translated abide and staying implies a much deeper fellowship. It would be like if you said, Mark, come spend a week with me in Minnesota at my cabin in northern Minnesota, and we'll just fish all week long. And Mark, I'm even going to cover all the expenses. And and we're just going to fish And we're going to eat together. And we're going to pray together all week long. And in the boat, we're just going to pour out our heart to each other. And we're going to have this fellowship. And by the way, August opens up nicely and is a good month for me. So if anyone out there would like to, I'm just just kidding. Anyway, we would be abiding with each other, staying with each other for a whole week. Abiding in Christ means to remain in this type of close fellowship with him. There are times when my mind is astray or my heart is not as, in, as engaged as it should be with Jesus. And I know many of you have experienced this also. But there are other times when he is so dominant in my heart and my life and our fellowship is so very tight. We are abiding in each other. So abiding is spending time alone with Christ and therefore remaining in him. It's to be in intimate fellowship with him. It's to be in his word. It's to be in prayer. It's to walk closely with him. It's to love him and never leave your first love. Wherever you are geographically, you could be at work, you could be at school, you could be at home, but you are remaining close to Christ. And the second word that just pours through this concept of abiding is rest. As you're remaining, you are resting in the Lord, trusting him. It's like right now. You guys are all resting in the pews. And based on the heavy eyes I see, some of you are resting more than others. <laughs> nah, I'm just, I'm just harassing you. You're not. But all your weight has been transferred to the pew. And you are not standing. You're not moving about. You're not struggling. You're hopefully enjoying your time with the Lord, and you are resting. That's the spiritual posture we're to live in. And rest in the sufficiency of the vine, Jesus Christ, as we abide in him. Resting in his presence, resting at his feet, not striving, not struggling, but resting and enjoying Christ. Stress and problems in life will occur, but our reaction to them is different than the world because we are resting in Christ. And finally, to abide in Christ is to rely upon Christ. It's not enough just to rest or remain in Christ. There must be this dependence on him as we rely on him as our vine. When things become chaotic in my life, I'm relying on his peace. When I sense how weak I am in the flesh, I'm drawing on his strength. When I'm lost and needing direction, I rely on his guidance. And this just doesn't happen automatically. There must be a conscious choice to be be relying upon him rather than to be relying upon myself. Relying on his will for my life, not my home, my own homegrown plans. I'm relying on his sustaining grace, not a self-reliant mindset where you pull yourself up from your own bootstraps. As the branch is reliant on the vine for everything, so you and I are dependent on Christ for everything. Everything 
in our Christian spiritual lives. We must draw from him what we need. So the question this morning is this. Here's a question for you. And it's really not a question for the person sitting to your left. And it's really not a question for the person sitting to your right. It's a question for you. And it's a question I've been wrestling with all week. What are you abiding in? What are you resting in? We're all abiding or resting in something or someone. We're all pulling from and getting energy from a vine. And as we saw last week, there's only one true source in which we're to abide, which will always provide and never fail us, and that's Christ our Lord. So as we study the word, there are many commands given by our Lord. And in this analogy, our primary command is to abide in Christ. The Christian life that we want to live will not move forward unless we first abide in Christ. We remain, we rest, we rely on him. The leaders of this church will not move forward in setting the stage for kingdom work unless we first abide in Christ. Your ministry here and outside these walls will not move forward until you first abide in Christ. To abide in him, in his fellowship, to abide in his word, to abide in truth, to abide in the light. This is how desperately we need to abide in Christ. But there are times, maybe even right now for some here today, there are times when we are not abiding in Christ. Note the first part of verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, if anyone, referring back to verse 2, any branch in me, if anyone does not abide in me, a lack of abiding is a lack of humility, a lack of dependence, a lack of reliance, a lack of looking to the Lord. It's a time of self-reliance, which is self-centeredness, which is self-focus. And what these words are really describing is what? Pride. Every one of us in the room today should understand what I'm talking about. There are seasons in our Christian life when we all fall into this category, if anyone does not abide in me. There are times when we're not praying. Times when we're not totally casting ourselves upon the Lord. Times when studying the word of God just isn't a necessity in our lives. If anyone does not abide in me. You might even ask the question, is it possible for a true believer to not be abiding in the Lord? And I think the answer is yes. Jesus would not have commanded us in that verse we just read saying, abide in me. He would not have been commanding us and calling us to abide unless there is a choice in the Christian life that we must consciously make to be remaining in him. There are times when we're not abiding in the Lord and we're distant from Christ. We could be sitting here in church right now and be distant from Christ. We can be reading the Bible and we can be distant from Christ. Our mind and our heart can be in another place far removed. There are times when we're not in close fellowship with Christ, not in his word, not in prayer, not in corporate worship. All of our minds are on something, right? And we just don't float around in neutral. When our attention is taken away from Christ, we become distant. We become self-focused. And we rely on ourselves. And it's at those times when we're distant 
and not abiding in Christ, it might simply be a case of disobedience. There are times in our Christian lives when we are actively choosing not to be obedient to the word. When we're disobedient, we are not abiding in Christ. For example, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. These are attached together. To abide in Christ is to keep his commandments. Go through the Gospel of John and just start circling some of his commandments. In fact, you know, we won't go into it today, but there's a command just right after this passage in verse 12. Jesus gives us a command. But sometimes we're disobedient to them. When we fail to abide, we fail to do what he asks us to do. This is something I wrestle with, and I'm sure it's something that you most likely wrestle with too. It's very much like when Rick preached through Romans chapter 7. There's this war within each one of us between, among other things, you know, abiding in Christ and abiding in our fleshly desires. Well, it all goes back to elevating self, and at the root of that is pride and arrogance. And Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 5, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When we humble ourselves, that is a necessary part of abiding in Christ, and then we are blessed. If you're not abiding in Christ, it's a very dangerous place to be. As we finish reading this verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. When we're not abiding, thank you God for your grace. Because when we're not abiding, the grace of God often pulls us back as is the case for all of us here this morning. God pulls us back to him. But for some branches, they become so distant from Christ, they no longer want to be attached to Christ. They no longer want or desire to abide in Christ. And the vine dresser comes along, and he doesn't just prune them back. He cuts them off. Last week, we sung the hymn, Trust and Obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. When we do not trust and when we do not obey, we are distant and disobedient. Could this be describing you, your life today at this moment, the last week or the last month? I think we should all think deeply on that thought. So let's all just make a conscious choice today. Let's choose to abide. Let's leave here today determined to abide in Christ because if we abide in Christ and his word abides in us, we're going to be blessed in a lot of different ways. And Jesus starts to lay these out right now, so let's, let's talk about them. The first way is in our prayer life, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Boy, has this verse been taken out of context by so many health and wealth prosperity preachers. Jesus is not promising, as you all are well aware, to be our genie in a bottle. This promise is very conditional. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. So when his words abide in us, we will only want what he wants. 
We will be so in tune with Christ that we'll ask for things that will honor Christ and will glorify him and extend the work of Christ on earth. The priorities of the kingdom of God will have become our priorities. So Jesus says, ask. When you have become one with someone, you only want what they want and you actively seek after those things. That's what our prayer life will become if we abide in Christ. So let's choose today that we're going to abide. Secondly, we'll be blessed with fruit in our lives and this glorifies the Father. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And hopefully this got your attention last week. It brings glory to the Father who's the vine dresser when we bear fruit because we're to be a reflection of Christ within us. We mentioned this last week, the fruit of the Spirit, which is joy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control is produced in our lives. These are Christ-like qualities. And when we abide in him, these become more evident in our lives. We'll be more at peace and have more patience when things go wrong. Our kindness, our goodness, our faithfulness, our gentleness will become more obvious to others, which in turn will point them to to the one in whom which we are abiding in. We will begin to glorify God because we become one with his son. So let's choose today to abide in Christ. Also, by abiding in Christ, we will know the love that exists between the Father and the Son. And I tell you, if this weren't in the the Bible, I would have a hard time believing this statement. But verse 9 says, Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. What kind of love do you think the Father has for the Son? I mean, nothing that... I've ever experienced before. It's it's a love that has no beginning. It's a love that goes back to eternity past. It's an infinite, eternal, divine love within the Trinity, between the Father and the Son. In Matthew 3.17, at Jesus' baptism, we read, And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. As much as God the Father loves God the Son, God the Son loves us who are in him with the same infinite, perfect, eternal love. It's mind-boggling. He demonstrated this deep love for us on the cross as he died in our place. When we abide in Christ, we all come to know that same kind of love that exists between God the Father and God the Son. If you sometimes feel unloved in this unloving world, abide in Christ, draw near to him, And you will discover a love that is literally out of this world. So let's choose to abide in Christ. Also, we will be be blessed by keeping his commandments. The next verse. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. The commandments are meant to bless us and protect us. I mean, what is the cause of guilt? And shame. Isn't it just the failure to obey? If we abide in Christ, we will be able to keep his commandments. Kiss guilt and shame goodbye. That gives us the freedom to openly come into his presence and to enjoy the blessings of sweet fellowship with our Lord. So let's today decide, make a conscious choice to abide in Christ. And when we abide in Christ, 
we will experience true joy. Last verse. These things I have spoken to you so, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. If we do what Christ has said, his joy will be in us. And that is a joy that can overcome any circumstance. Because remember, Jesus was hours away from the cross when he spoke these words. He knows he will soon be crucified the very next day. He is or soon will walk towards the garden where blood is literally going to come pouring out of his skin as he wrestles with the weight of the cross before him. He knows he will be hit, mocked, taunted, and then lifted up to die. A horrible death, a death that we deserve, not him. In the midst of that, Jesus had joy. His joy was the joy of being one with his father and knowing how things were going to end. When my mom was battling cancer, she rarely complained. She still smiled like, I'm sorry, wow, I went through this and this didn't happen. She still smiled 99% of the time. Even when she didn't physically feel like smiling, she had a joyful attitude to the very end. You know, my mom was able to do so, I know. She could look beyond the circumstance to the, to the end, to the end, to her conclusion on earth and the joy she felt when she knew she was going to meet her Lord in heaven. And I, I don't know every detail of every situation that you guys are currently going through in your lives. There are many times when we don't feel like smiling either, but we can have joy in all situations if we're abiding in Christ. If we abide in him, we know how things will end up and our joy will be made full. So let's decide this morning to abide fully in Christ and Christ alone. This is our responsibility to abide in Christ. And as we do, this fruit will be produced in our lives. I pray God will enable each one of us by by his grace to humble ourselves before him, to draw near to Christ, to remain in his presence, to rest in his provision, and to rely upon his grace. I hope we all choose to abide in Christ so he may bear much fruit in our lives to glorify and honor God. As we begin to prepare for communion time this this morning, let's let's sing hymn number 596. I surrender all, verses 1 and 4.